Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. Just going to pray before we start. Um, so, Jesus, I thank you for the fact that we are here with you. Not because we're just at church on a Sunday morning, but because you never leave or forsake us. And I thank you that what we talk about this morning, or I talk about this morning, and we explore, I just pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would just take of what is yours and make it known to us. That it be something we experience, it be something that changes us, that forms us, that helps us, that challenges us, that does what you need it to do to us. We just say, Jesus, you are first place, you are number one, and we just give our time and our attention to you now. Changing us, forming us, working us, your heart even more, that we might be those who reflect and represent and show and reveal your beauty and majesty and wonder to the people we meet and interact with every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, I'm going to carry on looking at this series, which we're going to do for one more week after today on Rule of Life. Uh, and we're going to re come back onto this at different points throughout the year to look at different practices that are connected to this idea of rule of life. And so, just um, as a really, really quick recap, um, we talked about, um, we started a couple of weeks ago, that the, this idea of rule of life is. Um, it's a set of practices and it's and it's a kind of set of practices that enable us a bit like a trellis does with a vine a set of practices that enable us to abide and to grow in our relationship with Jesus in being formed into his image and expressing him to the world around us and that we saw that that's what the definition the word rule from rule of life actually comes from the Greek word trellis, that, that framework, that support that enables in this context a, a grapevine to grow and to bear fruit. Um, but it, it is that kind of thing that allows that growth to happen. And in the context of John 15, where Jesus talks about abiding in the vine, we're talking the, these practices, this rule of life, not rules for life, but rule of life. These practices enable us to abide, and that is to abide in Christ, to become intimately acquainted with Him, to be formed by Him, um, and that it kind of shapes and forms who we are as we kind of enabled and allowed to abide in Christ. And so, I want to just make a really quick reference to this, and I think it is important. The, the, the word abide, when we talk about that, kind of means to settle down, to remain, um, to kind of be there. And it can create connotations of, when I don't do that, I'm not with Jesus. Because we have this idea, and we know it to be true, that God is always with us. That by his Holy Spirit, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. And therefore, the idea of needing to abide seems counter to that message, that if God's always with me, why do I need to do anything to abide with him? Because he's always with me. He is abiding with me. Why do I need to do this kind of thing? And I think it's important to kind of create the distinction there that that there is the ever-presence of God. God is always with us. He's with us right now. Whatever mood we are in, in this room right now, 
he is present with us right now. He is not affected by our mood. Whether you are happy because it's been a great day or weekend or whether you're in a right foul grump because it's been awful and rubbish or whatever it may be, he is present with us right now. And that never changes. So this idea of abiding is not about making God be with us or us being with God. This idea of abiding is almost like digging down deep into that ever-presence. It, it, it's taking or it's diving headfirst into the depths of his love and experiencing that. It's not about making it happen. Abiding is to go, God is always with me and therefore I'm going to put my roots down deep so that I might come to know his presence with me more and more and more. Mm. That I might know that he's with me more and more and more. That it allows us therefore to be shaped by his love for us and his presence with us that we might then become vessels that reveal the heart and the love of God to the world. It's not about making God be with us. God is always with us. It's about going deep into that sense of knowing and awareness that he's with us. Doing something intentional, practicing something intentionally that enables us to become aware of his presence with us. And I think that's important because it, it does this beautiful thing where it kind of shows us the unchanging, immovable presence of God with us, but also invites us in to participate in becoming aware of that presence. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing that we get to take part in. Um, and I think what is also kind of a key, key part of this, before I jump into what I want to share today, is just again, to kick off from the start, and I'm almost wanting to deal with the things I don't want thoughts to creep in that were suggesting something. So first one is that this doesn't make God be with us. This is about us diving deep into the awareness that God is always with us. Second one is the practices of, in and of themselves, which Sai will talk in more detail about next Sunday. Things like Sabbath, things like prayer, things like fasting, things like reading the scriptures, they're all good things, but they of themselves are not the goal. It's not about, I'm now a good Christian because I read my Bible for an hour a day. Reading your Bible for an hour a day is fantastic, that's brilliant, but that doesn't make you, in and of itself, become more aware of God. In the same way, that's not the goal, that we can kind of have our Christian checklist and go, hour a day reading the Bible, hour a day prayer, fasting hour a day, Sabbath once a week, like as if we go through those things and that in itself is the goal and now we've made it. Those practices are to enable us to abide. And the idea of abiding is, is, a, is a relational thing. That my reading of the scriptures can become an academic process in itself. Nothing wrong with the academic process, but without the relational aspect to it. My prayer can become a, a kind of transactional relationship with God without the relationship attached to it. That my fasting can become something I think I do because it makes something happen and not have the relational aspect to it. Even my Sabbath can just become a day off. Not a resting in the fact that God is present with me. So the practices are important. But in the same way, when we look at the vine, the wooden trellis is not in and of itself the key thing. We don't go to a vineyard and go, that's an amazing trellis. We don't turn up to a, a shop that sells wine and go, can I just see the kind of trellis that was going on please? Because that's really significant to me. Okay, What we do is we go and say, that's, that's beautiful grapes. Or that's an amazing wine. 
we are looking for the product of the trellis. Now the trellis helps mm. to do both those things, but the trellis is not the focus. Yeah. The kind of the, the growth of the grapevine is the focus. In the same way, the practices aren't the focus, they're a tool that we use to help us gain a sense of abiding in Christ and become more aware that he is with us. Does that make sense? I just wanted to kick those two things out of the way because it's really important because in and all of that, it still involves us doing something. We still need to do something. This is not like, oh, okay, you just take, there's a responsibility on us to be active participants, but it's not. The practices aren't the goal. It's not about making God be with us, but there is something for us to do. And that's what I want to dig into today. Um, so Sai talked last week about um, time, an investment of time. In his message on a Sunday morning, he used Marcus Rashford as an example. In his blog, he did not, which is highly disappointing. Um, he should have definitely used Marcus Rashford rather than Ben Stokes. That, that, that's the wrong analogy. Um, but he talked about the, idea, the, the importance of time in this thing. And time is a, is a sensitive topic in our modern day society because time is, is the thing that gets pressed constantly. And therefore, what I think has happened in church is that in the same way with everything else in our lives, we have tried to make the practices that exist in church things that fit into a nice kind of quick, quick fire, quick win thing. Because everything in our society is super fast, whether it's the super fast internet, which I love and I'm happy that exists, okay, or whether it's um, kind of uh, next day delivery from Amazon, or sometimes, I don't know quite how this even works, but delivery the same day um, of the product I ordered that morning. I don't know quite how Amazon even managed to make that happen, but they do. Or Uber Eats or Just Eat or whatever it may be, that we have these things that we all know and we're all familiar with about quick delivery. I'm not knocking them. I use them all the time, they're not bad things. But the danger is it can cause us to then bring that same mindset into our Christian walk with Jesus. That this thing I have in terms of this life I exist with God, I can get it quickly in the same way I can order from Amazon and get it the next day. Or I can, I can get it in half an hour, I just need to go onto my app and just order some food, okay? That's not how it works. And we feel annoyed about that a little bit because we think, in a sense, it should be the same as what our current culture is like. But actually, this thing takes time. And time doesn't mean failure. Time just means it just takes time. And so I talked about, and I love this, this quote, he talk, talked about super champions. Um, and he said this. Um, I don't know whether it's his quote, but I've now attributed it to Sai. So, um, super champions are categorized by an obsession with their sport. From a young age, they would forego other things to deliberately focus on their sport. When they faced setbacks, they would view them as opportunities to develop and learning moments. And their desire to be better was internal. They do everything they can um, to do the most with the talent they have. And this idea that they, the line, you know, that jumps out to me, from a young age, they would forego other things to deliberately focus on their sport. The idea of everything being super fast paced means that I can sit on my phone and I can order um, Sudi's Christmas presents that I forgot to do. I can order the takeaway for that night and I can um, also kind of do that all super fast on my, on my phone. Um, and that means I don't need to forego other stuff. I don't need to not play on my... PlayStation. I don't need to not watch Netflix because I can do it all 
right here at the same time in the same moment. That leads to shallow experience of Jesus if we do that same thing. What Jesus, our relationship with Jesus requires is us to forego that stuff and go, actually, this is just time with you. It's not five minutes, it's time with you. That means I'm going to have to forego some other stuff to make time with you. And that's a really, really key thing. And that's not popular. That doesn't get tweeted. It doesn't get go viral. It doesn't do any of those kind of things because it's not a popular thing to use in our modern day society. Because the reality is, and I don't know where this quote's coming from. It's definitely from someone, but eventually I'm going to attribute it to myself. Um, for now, it's just unknown. The reality is that most of us, m- most of us or most people are simply too busy to have a healthy and fruitful spirituality. And I let that sink in for a minute. Because that's hard if we actually think that through. We want to live lives that are fruitful, that are vibrant, that look like Jesus's. But the reality is, most of us are just too busy to actually forego some stuff and go, I'm going to get rid of that thing. I'm intentionally not naming the thing. But that thing, so that I've got more space to just be with Jesus. To abide to read the scriptures, to pray, to do a time in fasting, to do a a time in worship. I'm going to give away the space that would have been for something else to do these things. And it doesn't fit into our modern, I can do it all super fast, all super quick, and all at the same time, so I don't have to give up anything. It doesn't fit into that, unfortunately. I wish it did, because that would be super popular. And everyone would do it. But it doesn't. It takes time and it takes an investment of time. Because if I was to ask most of us in this room, if we were to say to somebody, how are you doing? Most of the time, I would pretty much guarantee the response would be something like, I'm doing good, just busy. (laughs) Because that's life, isn't it? I use that constantly. Almost like I get embarrassed using it because I'm aware <laughs> of what that communicates. Like, I'm good, just busy. But that's because of what our current modern super fast, super thing, everything fast it, life is like. Well, what we mean by busy is we have to squeeze loads of things in because that's what we've got to do, haven't we? We've got to have everything. We can't miss out on anything. And then we've got to squeeze it all in and become super busy. But that busy means that we probably end up giving up... Um, the things that really matter or at least giving time to the things that really matter because we believe on a level I can have it all I can have everything because that's what current culture tells me because I can get it all straight away like that and I'm not please hear me when I say this I'm not talking about anti-work it's a different thing that and that's another kind of thing just to point out this is not about anti-work work is God-given because God created a garden, put human beings in the middle of it and said, I've got some jobs for you to do. Go and be fruitful and multiply. Go and, go and subdue, go and do this. Work is God-given. I know some of us don't really like that idea, but it is God-given, okay? That's not, this is not about work. This is about being too busy. Too busy to do the things that matter. Too busy to, to invest into what really, really counts. Too busy to, to prioritize relationships. And that's, the thing isn't it that we all know that a depth of relationship takes time and takes foregoing other things 
to invest into that person or people or family or God. It takes time. We have to get rid of some stuff to invest in that. That I cannot shortcut my relationship with my children, with Susie, with friends. I can't shortcut it. It doesn't work. I can't hijack it. I can't get it on next day delivery. I can't, I can't Uber Eats it. Do you know what I mean? I, I, it has to be time. Because if it's not, it becomes shallow and it becomes fleeting and acquaintances or friends on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it may be. And it's, that's not depth and it's not what our relationship with God requires. But we become too busy to abide, to settle down and remain with God. We, be, we become too busy to pray, to read, to sit in silence. I mean, goodness me, sitting in silence. Can you imagine how our brains would scream at the kind of lack of productivity that moment would happen? Mm-hmm. Reading my Bible, no problem at all because I'm doing something. Worshipping, absolutely, I'm doing something. Praying, that's fine, I'm doing something. Sitting in silence and doing nothing. When I've got like a million things to be doing, that's not productive. And yet that can be an amazing practice that forms a depth of relationship with God. I'm sitting in silence just with you, God. Just here with you. Despite the fact my brain is screaming about all the many, 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 many things I could be doing with this time right now, I'm investing it with you. Because don't we do that with other people we love the most? I'm just going to come and be with you. We don't need to talk, we don't need to have a conversation. We can, but we don't need to. We're just going to be together. But we become too busy for these practices, these, these rule of life rhythms that become that trellis to help us grow and abide in Christ. And the challenge is that before long, our lives, instead of revealing the fruit that are of heaven coming to earth, instead of revealing the fruit of love and patience and kindness, our lives start to reveal fruit that is all about our super fast, polarised and anger riddled world. And we see it because, like I used last time, the analogy of me having a great day and then someone cut me up in a car, my response wasn't patience or kindness, my response was anger and frustration because that guy interrupted my flow. That I can see it and I know it. Like when I'm interacting with my kids, I can tell that where this is at in me because if how impatient I am with their response. I can be super loving when it's in my routine for the day. Now is the time I spend with you. Zach, now is the time I spend with you, Levi, and that's fine, that's not bad, but they don't just wait for that moment, nor should they have to. They interrupt, and that's, that's good, and that's healthy. But I can tell whether the fruit I'm demonstrating is patience and kindness and love in that moment of interruption, or whether it's actually, you just interrupted my super productive, super fast, super organized routine. I haven't got time for that right now. I'm saying all this not because this will make this the most enjoyable message in the world but because it just makes us think and it just challenges us because this thing like Sai talked about requires time but it also requires us to forego certain things and give space to that I'm going to 
share a little story from myself and Susie. I thought about doing this at the start because I always like to start with a story, but I thought I'd do it now and just go super intense from the start and then hopefully do a little bit more of a light-hearted story in the middle. Um, but, so, what we've tried to do, and I say try, and it's tricky, um, is we've tried to build into our rhythm of life um, a space of time that is a Sabbath, is a rest for us. It's not quite there yet, by any stretch of the imagination. It sometimes becomes just a space to do other things, which is not really the point of it, but at least we've, we've kind of tried to carve out the space. And it's, it'll be different for us because of the nature of our work and what we do than it will be for anyone else in the room, I would have thought. But what we do is we kind of go, kids go to bed on, bed on Thursday, and Thursday night is our kind of date night, and that sits there. And then from Thursday night, right up until Friday lunchtime, it's not quite a day, but Friday lunchtime is our kind of Sabbath space. It's a space where work doesn't encroach on it most of the time, where um, we kind of try and just be together. We have something to eat on a Thursday night together. We go for coffee, hopefully on a, on a Friday morning, and just spend that time together, but also knowing that we're spending this time together with God. And it's that rest. And when, by I'm saying this, like it sounds noble, we're not anywhere near there yet, but the point is it's something we're trying to carve in. Mm. Um, so we, we did this last week, and we've done it for about a month and a half or so now, and, it, and it's tricky, and, um, but it is a practice, and therefore a practice takes time. You practice it, and therefore we'll get, it'll get better and better. But what was really interesting, we went for coffee, and we, we were talking as we try and do, um, but we got to this point in the conversation where we talked about things we needed to change in terms of our rhythm and routine of our week. We just kind of got to this, this point on Friday morning where it wasn't like, this is now a rest. It was like, this is now, oh my goodness, we breathe. Um, which is also part of it, but it wasn't revealing a, a healthy rhythm up until that point. It was like, let's run, 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 and then crash. And then let's run, 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 and then crash. And that, that's not a healthy rhythm and routine. It's not productive or, or enabling abiding. Um, and therefore we talked talk about what we need to get rid of, we talked about the kind of key priorities and what really matters to us, like obviously family and church and, and, and parts of what we do as jobs and that kind of stuff. And then start thinking about what, what, what doesn't really matter, what has crept in that is good but actually doesn't really matter or doesn't, we don't feel like it's right for this time or whatever it may be. And we didn't come to a conclusion, we just talk, started talking about it and that's going to be a continuing conversation. But what it reminded me of is a video that I'm sure some of us have seen in here before, but a video that kind of communicates that same idea. Um, so to save me from kind of trying to communicate something which I think is actually beautifully communicated in the video, I'm going to show you this video. But then this is in essence what we were trying to explore. What are the things that really matter? What are the things that are significant in our life? And then therefore what needs to be got rid of or let go? Or foregone to make space in our routine for each other, for family, but also for our relationship with God. Like what needs to be removed out of that so that we've got space, like those kind of super champions go, actually I'm going to forego some stuff so I can invest my time in practicing some of these practices. So I'm going to stop talking and show the video and hopefully it will work. Good afternoon, everyone. We all have this one life to live. 
fleeting shadow amongst all that exists in this vast universe, we have the ability to accomplish anything, truly anything, if we use our time wisely. Is this jar full? Yes. Is it full now? Yes. And how about now? Is the jar full now? Now I want you to recognize that this jar represents your life. Golf balls, the important things, your family, your friends, your health, and your passions. The pebbles are the other important things, your car, your, your job, your home. And the sand is everything else, it's just the small stuff. Now if you put the sand in the jar first, you won't have room for the pebbles or the golf balls. And the same is true in life. If you spend all your energy and your time on the small stuff, you won't have time for all the really important things that matter to you. Pay attention to the things that are critical to your happiness. Take care of the golf balls first, the really important things. Set your priorities, because everything else is it's just saying. Yes? Uh, professor, what does what the beer represent? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. It goes to show that no matter how full your life may seem to be, there's always room for a couple of beers with a friend. <laughs> So I say, I say all that because it's a beautiful analogy. He does it wonderfully well, much better than I could probably have done it this morning. But, but that is the principle, isn't it? That actually, what are the main things? What are the priorities? What are the key things? And that is family. It, it's friendships. It's, it's those kind of things. But included in that is our relationship with God. It's that space, those practices to be able to abide. And then it, if we put those things in first... What happens is then the other things, like you said, that come along that try and fill up our space have to fill up around those things rather than taking the space of those things. And that is not like a, I've done it once and therefore that's it done. It takes constant review. But it, it creates the space for us. What are the main things for you? What are the main things for me? What are those golf balls? What are the things that matter most? And it's putting those things first into our routine into our lives time for those things space for those things and then when we ask that considering does our daily and weekly routine reflect the main things or does it reflect which do exist of course they do this is not an escape to an idealistic thing where nothing else happens no difficult problems no small little things but it's like does our routine reflect that does my routine reflect actually my priority of my relationship with God or does it 
reflect the fact that I need to find space with God at the end of the week because that's what I do as a Christian? Or does it, my relationship with God, become one of those golf, golf balls that takes first place in there? That does it take that place alongside my relationship with my family and my friends and the communities I'm part of, the passions I have? And therefore, other stuff then fills in around that. And that's challenging, that's difficult because it takes constant review. It takes constant thinking, okay, where is this at? Taking that moment to pause and go, okay, what is my routine of life looking like right now? Have I built in space to practice silence? Have I built in space to spend time in community? Have I built in space to read the scriptures? Have I built in space to pray, to fast? Have I done that or do I try and squeeze those things in as a last minute thing because I can get next day delivery on it? Or do I put those things in first and then the other stuff fills in around? And this is not like a guilt-laden condemnation. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm just saying there's a moment for us to pause, to go, okay, where is it at? And just evaluate, not judge. Not like judge ourselves and go, oh my goodness me, how terrible am I? That's not this at all. But to evaluate and pause and go, okay, where is it at? Because I know that there's things that easily creep into my stuff that knock out my time with God, that knock out my time in prayer and in fasting. And I know that if I don't intentionally start to practice some of that stuff, it's very easy for those things to get knocked out again. If I don't put the golf balls in first, it's so easy for the sand to fill it up. And therefore, it's where is that time, where, where is that kind of stuff, taking that inventory, reflecting on that, thinking, okay, where are the practices, the rules, the rule, the rule of life? Where are those things that enabled me to abide and stay? Because one really interesting thing I was thinking about this, and I was looking back at the, the, the kind of the trellis that creates these vines that enables them to abide and to grow and to bear fruit. And I was looking at the fact that, that, that there's these kind of like stakes of wood that go into the ground and then come up and. Um, Amongst my reading this week, which obviously this was the most inspirational bit I read all week, um, I, I found this one again, it's from an unknown person. When it says, says vine spacing, in terms of the grapevine spacing of those, those stakes, ranges from 3 foot to 12 feet, with 6 to 8 feet being the most common, and this is inspiring stuff. Um, spacing within the row will be determined by the soil vigour potential, the climate in which the vines are grown, and the cultivar and rootstock combination. I've got no idea what the last bits to do with at all. Um, but the point is this, that those stakes that go down, the distance between those stakes is determined by something. It's determined by, in this situation, the soil vigour, the climate, and whatever the cultivar rootstock is. Okay? But it's determined by something. And in the same kind of way, almost those stakes, in my mind, are the points in our week where we practice these things like prayer, we practice things like worship, reading the scriptures. Those stakes in the week, those moments in the week that build into our rhythm and routine. And the distance that those stakes take apart is determined by what is going on. That if I'm going through a windy or challenging or stormy time, then maybe those stakes need to be closer together to provide stability and enable me to abide in, in that stormy environment. Maybe at certain seasons of life, the stakes can be a little bit further apart because the rootstock, whatever that is, is in a particularly good way 
whatever rootstock is, okay? But the point is, it's the rhythm, the routine. That maybe it kind of sits in our day, in our week, and whatever it may be, but the rhythm and the routine. And the interesting thing is this, that when I've got that rhythm and routine, if sometimes my regular practice gets interrupted, that's okay, because actually the, the stakes before and after it also exist there still. So this isn't about like, oh my goodness me, I missed my Bible reading this morning. Oh my goodness me, the whole world is going to collapse. It's not to do with that at all. It's because when we build that rhythm routine, the day after supports the day before. Or we can come in and put it in and stake it up afterwards or whatever it may be. But it's about that routine and that rhythm and that regularity. The, the, the guys who grow the, these vines, the guys that do this kind of stuff, have a, have a practice that enables them to space stuff apart because they know in this particular location, in this particular place, this is how far they need to be apart. And you and I know in our lives how frequently in my weekly routine do I need to be spending time reading the scriptures? Do I need to be spending time in community? Do I need to be spending time in worship? Do I need to be spending time in prayer? How often do I need to be doing that? And whilst those things are always important, the regularity might change from season to season. There might be a season of time right now where actually I need to be more intentional, I need to be closer together. There might be another season of time where it actually can be a little bit further apart. But the practices are always important, the stakes are always important, it's just how regularly we put them in place. Because when the stakes aren't in place, what can sometimes happen with our, the grapevine is it, it falls to the ground. And when it falls to the ground, it, it kind of doesn't become as fruitful as it was before. And it needs propping back up again, and it can be. But that's the kind of similar kind of thing. When those things fall to the ground, it can affect our ability to abide and develop a sense of awareness of God being with us. When I'm not spending, it's not that my reading the scriptures makes God be with me, but my reading of the scriptures makes me become aware that God is with me. And sometimes I might read something that's got no relevance to what that at all, but it builds something. My prayer doesn't make God be with me, but it makes me become aware of him with me. My silence doesn't make him be with me, but becomes aware of that, and it helps me to abide and to settle down and remain in him. And in doing that, I become more formed into his image and therefore more fruitful in the way that I express him to the world around me. The guy that cuts me up doesn't now completely knock off my routine, but when he cuts me up, he's greeted by patience and kindness and love. That when the kids interrupt, they're not met with a short, oh, just a minute, but they're met with a face of pure love and affection because I have not suddenly become superhuman but because I've built in a, the stakes, the practices across my week that enable me to abide, that enable me to bear fruit and the fruit is loving and kindness and goodness and all those kind of things, self-control, all that kind of stuff we know. I've jumped off my notes, I'm just trying to find myself back where I want. Um, so, I'm going to finish with this. Are your stakes in place to allow for abiding growth? That's not a condemnation question, it's just an evaluative question. Are your stakes in place to allow for abiding growth? Or could you, in this week ahead, put a new stake in the ground? Put a new practice in place? Could you think, actually, yeah, I used to, to, to pray for five minutes every morning? Or I used to read my 
Bible app before I went to bed at night. Or I used to, um, I don't know, spend some time in worship at lunchtime. Or, or whatever it may be. But could we take this moment to evaluate and go, okay, actually, I could put a new stake down. I, I, could, I could put something in. Some of those will be community-based ones. Like we are reading the whole of the Bible um, as a community. There's a number of us in this room that are doing that. that that's something that helps them. That helps that stake become established because we're doing it together. Some of it could again be like worship evenings. We're spending time together in worship. Sunday morning, they're stakes. They sit there. But are there other stakes that we could put in? Are there other things we could put in to help create a sense of abiding in Christ that there might be this fruit that comes about? This is not about kind of going, oh my goodness, none of this exists. This is about going, okay, what exists so far? What are the stakes? What are the practices that I could I put into my weekly routine? And I'm not saying, because this doesn't work, we know it doesn't work. Don't go away and go, I'm going to do two hours in the morning, two hours at lunchtime, two hours in the evening, reading my Bible and prayer and worship, because we know that doesn't work. It just, it works for a week and then it just collapses down, if a week. For me, it works like a morning and then it just disappears. But the point is that, could we shift something to put five minutes here, five minutes here, ten minutes, whatever it may be. Because then it just helps that then become routine and established and that rhythm of growth start to come. So I'm going to finish with that. So Jesus, I just pray that if there's any thought of guilt, condemnation, shame, I just, just speak against that and just, just ask that, just come on that to leave now in Jesus' name. That, that that is not your heart, that is not your invitation. But instead, let it be something that woos us into a deeper relationship with you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are our comforter, you are our guide, you are our leader. And I just pray that you would just guide us and lead us in this journey of what it is to abide in Christ, what it is to abide in the vine. That you would just help us to take what I've shared this morning and apply it to our walk with you, to our life with you. That it wouldn't be a one-size-fits-all, but it would be something that is bespoke and personal to each one in their walk and relationship with you. Help us be community together that we would strengthen and support, encourage and challenge and help one another in this journey too together. In Jesus' name, amen.